<laughs> okay. Let us pray. Spirit of the living God, thank you for this wonderful moment. Thank you for your blood. The one that's We find peace. It is in that blood that lies the truth that we believe in. Thank you for shedding that blood. Thank you for bringing us back to our Father. We pray that you speak to us this evening. You teach us and you give us, give me all trans and we convey your message, the one that will change our lives for better. In Jesus' name. Wow. When Brother David called me and said, I will be speaking today. You know, it's, uh, I was sleeping. It's called woke me up and and he was, oh, yeah, 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 I will, no worries. And my wife came in after we handed the call, and uh, she, she asked me, uh, what happened? I said, Brother David called me that I will be speaking on this day. Said, oh, really? That means you will be facing everyone. I said, yes. <laughs> and all of a sudden, the weather changed. <laughs> I started feeling cold. <laughs> wow. It's a beautiful thing to share the word of God. And um, I must say this is a family which I'm proud to be part of. And um, I appreciate the leadership of this church. Thank you. I appreciate the leadership of this church for giving me the opportunity to stand before you. I'm just Tulu. And um, I'm a work in progress. And um, every day, I'm praying for the presence of God in my life and in my family. And, um, but um, it's a wonderful thing. And I feel honored to be here. Um, <clears throat> I will... So when immediately I dropped the call, and my wife came to tell me, and the weather changed. So I, everywhere I go, I started hearing messages in my head. Go to Superstore, you know, keep, something keeps playing in my head, you know. And I was there just praying, God, what do you want me to say, you know? You know, we all have messages Sometimes we keep that, okay, if I'm called upon. Everything just went off. I couldn't even, you know. But in that process, a song came up in the radio, and um, what a friend we have in Jesus. And I was just enjoying the music. And it touched my heart. How about that? What a friend we have in Jesus. It's a privilege 
to worship God. So, I... Sorry. I printed um, the lyrics of the song out, and I started reading, listening to it. You know, it's, a, it's an old song. We've all listened to it before, so... And um, I started seeing the qualities that make Jesus an outstanding friend, like, you know, a unique one, which I would like to share with us tonight. So, Jesus Christ, our matchless friend. We all have a definition of who a friend is or who a friend is supposed to be in our mind. Am I right? So if I ask now, who is a friend? I know we all have answers. And you know, the funniest thing about this is that 10 years from now, your answers might not even be the same because you might have grown, your responsibilities might have changed, you know. And you must start defining who a friend is in another way. So, I, in, while trying to prepare what I'm going to talk about, I just searched the Google and I said, who is a friend? And I saw so many descriptions of who a friend is to people. I have some of them here. One says, a friend is someone who understands your past, believes in your future, and accept you just the way you are. There is no, it's just there hanging around, nobody claimed that. Wow. <laughs> so another person said, this, okay, this is an Irish proverb. He says, a good friend is like a four-leaf clover, hard to find and lucky to have. Another one says, a friend is one who overlooks your broken fence and admires the flowers in the garden. I love that. Another one says, there's nothing better than a friend unless it's a friend with chocolate. (laughs) And you know, we all have that definition in our mind who a friend is supposed to be, you know. So... But it's amazing that in John chapter 15, verse 15, Jesus called us friend. Wow. He says, I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the father told me. What amazed me in this passage is the fact that we serve a God or we worship a God that talks. Brethren, that's not common. Some people carry their God. (laughs) We serve, we worship a God that talks. And you know, he's a communicator. He talks, you know. Is someone that you can have a discussion with. 
And that's exactly what happened here. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends. And since I have told you everything the Father told me, isn't that wonderful? Now, I was just looking, what are the attributes that makes Jesus Christ our matchless friend? What makes Jesus Christ a unique friend? What are the attributes? The first one, he says, is our burden bearer. He's got empathy. He's our mediator. You know, I mean, what's a friend without love and hope, you know? He's our guarantor, and he's so faithful. These are so unique. These qualities are unique. I, I, I don't think you can find them anywhere. And the point is, even if you are lucky to find it, can you balance it? Can you give the same thing? So, the lyrics, in the lyrics of that um, song, What a Friend We Have in Jesus, it says, What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. So that's going to lead us to the first one, burden bearer. So what's a burden? We have to know the meaning of a burden first. What does burden mean? Before you even appreciate someone that can bear it for you. So he says burden is something that's exacting, oppressive, or difficult to bear. So I had it, e.g. sin, anxiety, fear, death. Jesus Christ said in Matthew 11, verse 28 to 30, Come to me, all of you who are weary, and carry every burden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I gave you is light. So, I was um, thinking about Mr. Cain in the Bible. We, we know the story of Cain and Abel. So, I call him Mr. Cain. So, um, <clears throat> he, he had a discussion with God at some point. So, in Genesis chapter 4, if we can open to the place, so it's brief. Genesis chapter 4. So, I'm going to start from verse 6. This is God talking to. Cain, I believe we all know the story. Why are you so angry? The Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right. 
But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door. Eager to control you, but you must subdue it and be its master. Wow. But Cain wouldn't listen. God specifically mentioned sin. And what amazed me was um, how Cain reacted when, you know, when he did what he wanted to do, anyway. So, verse 13. Cain replied to God, My punishment is too great for me to bear. You have banished me from the land, and your presence. And that caught my attention. Wow. This is Cain. You have banished me from your presence. My sin is too, my punishment is too great for me to bear. This is us. Sin has a way of detaching us from the presence of God. And um, I don't think anyone can survive the weight of sin. It's too heavy. And that's what Jesus Christ came to do. Burden bear. One of the bodies sin. He came to bear the sin. You know, just like what John the Baptist said, here comes the lamb that carries away the sin of the whole world. Your sin, my sin. Isn't that lovely? Another burden, anxiety, just like I've said, fear, death. There's a burden as well. But Jesus Christ said, come to me, all of you that are weary, that are tired. You know, you've tried all your best. And carry every burden. I will give you rest. You know, that's like, I'm sure of what I'm doing. I'm sure of what I'm saying. I will give you rest. And another thing that captured my mind in that passage is, let me teach you. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you. That sounds like um, a passage in John 14 to me. I will send you someone. He's going to be a teacher, a comforter. You know, let me teach you. Even we can't see Jesus Christ like physically now, but he's still teaching. Are we ready to allow him? Let me teach you. And the ultimate goal of that teaching is you will find rest for your souls. Brethren, rest is good. Rest is good. So, let's look at another quality. Empathy. (laughs) I, I love that word because 
when I started my first job back home in Nigeria, that's the word, that's one of the words that was um, given to us. You must have empathy for customers, you know. You must put yourself in their shoes. That's the best way to serve them better, to serve them right, you know. And um, I've always been running with the word until I found it in Jesus Christ as well. The Bible says in Hebrew 2, verse 14 to 18, because God's children are human beings, made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil, who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. We also know that the son did not come to help angels. He came to help the descendants of Abraham, which you and I belong. Therefore, it was necessary for him to be made in every respect like us his brothers and sisters, so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. Then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. Since he himself has gone through suffering and testing, he is able to help us when we have been tested. Honestly, when I was reading this passage, I felt like, okay, God captured everything. If he hadn't come <laughs> in form of human being, we would have been saying, you know what? You can't just sit there and thinking it's easy down here. You know, you don't know what it means to be a man on this planet. But he came himself. He felt the same thing we are feeling right now. He was humiliated. Was lied on, like, you know. But he didn't waver, you know. He stood. He suffered. I mean, what kind of friend is that? Let's look at another one. I love this one so much. A mediator. <laughs> and um, I put in bracket high priest because it's a similar role. Uh, who is a mediator? A person who attempts to make people involved in a conflict come to an agreement, a go-between. God is holy. And um, the Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So now, holy God cannot behold sin. And there's an ongoing conflict. 
As a matter of fact, I've read places in the Bible where people tried to come to his presence. You know, he killed them. He killed them. They couldn't even come to his presence. They, they, they don't have what it takes. But Jesus Christ came as a mediator, our high priest. In Romans 5, verse, verses 18 to 19, it says, Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. Wow. But because one other person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. So, let's look at what is, what's, the, what's the definition of a high priest? Hebrew 5 from five, verse 1 to 5. And by the way, if Hebrew is a good book, which I will encourage us to read. Trust me. If you have the time, it's a good book. You know, it gives a deep exposition on Jesus Christ, his role, what he came to do and what he achieved for us. So, one to five, he says, every high priest is a man chosen to represent other people in their dealings with God. He presents their gifts to God and orders and offers sacrifices for their sins. And he is able to deal gently with ignorant and wayward people because he himself is subject to the same weaknesses. <laughs> that is why he must offer sacrifices for his own sins as well as theirs. And no one can become a high priest simply because he wants such an honor. He must be called by God for this work just as Aaron was. This is why Christ did not honor himself by assuming he could become high priest. No, he was chosen by God, who said to him, you are my son. Today, I have become your father. So, now we know the meaning of the definition of a high priest. So, Jesus Christ, our high priest. Let's look at um, Hebrew. Chapter 8, verse 1 to 6. Here is the main point. And um, by the way, if you are wondering, I'm reading from New Living Translation. It's, it's a very good translation in case you'll, you want to try it out. So here is the main point. We have a high priest who sat down in the place of honor beside the throne of the majestic God in heaven. There he ministers in the heavenly tabernacle, the true place of worship that was built by the Lord and not human hands. Wow. I marveled when I read that. 
He ministers in the heavenly tabernacle, the true place of worship that was built by the Lord and not human hands. And since every high priest is required to offer gifts and sacrifices, our high priest must make an offering too. If he were here on earth, he would not even be a priest, since there are already a priest who offer the gift required by law. They serve in a system of worship that is only a copy, a shadow of the real one in heaven. For when Moses was getting ready to build the tabernacle, God gave him this warning. Be sure that you make everything according to the pattern I have shown you here on the mountain. But now Jesus, our high priest, has been given a ministry that is far superior to the old priesthood, for he is the one who mediates for us a better covenant with God based on better promises. Jesus Christ, our matchless friend. I mean, who can do this for you? I was surprised, you know. Sometimes you get familiar with some Bible passages that you don't even care to understand what he's saying. When I found out here that their, um, the system of worship here on earth is a shadow, is a copy of the real one in heaven, I was like, wow, wow, wow. Then, that lost prayer that will be done on earth as it is in heaven, it, made, it now made another sense to me. <laughs> God is so precise. He doesn't joke around. So, and that's the place that Jesus Christ is sitting, you know, in heaven as our high priest. He's a true friend. He's never tired. You know, he never said, you know what, I'm going for McDonald's. Oh, can I just have a break? Always working for you and I. Let's look at another quality. So, Oh, (laughs) yeah, so the next one is love and hope. The concept of love is making a new you know, I'm seeing that concept in 
a different light recently. Love. Most of the time as humans, we love with a condition. If I'm going to love you if you remain like this. I'm going to love you if you still have your hair, if you're not growing bald. <laughs> but it's amazing that Jesus Christ loves us unconditionally. You know, he loves you. You are not yet on hurt, but he loves you. And one of the one of the Bible passages I love so much again is um, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world. One, you know, the devil has a way of striking our mind with a false information that, are you sure this God loves you with all these things you are going through? Are you, are you really sure? Come and look at your life. Just check things out. I'm here to tell you that God loves you. Jesus loves you. Let's look at John 15, verse 9 to 14. He says, I have loved you. And by the way, um, what we have there, you can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. I don't know who owns that quote, so I didn't quote anybody. So, but it made a lot of sense to me. You can give without loving. I mean, you can give to have peace. Just have it and let me, just, you know, just go, go. <laughs> but you can't love without giving. Maybe my wife can testify to that. I'm not sure. <laughs> you can't love without giving. So, let's see what Jesus gave. I loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, remain, you remain in my love just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friend. You are my friend if you do what I command. There is no greater love to lay down one's life for one's friend. I mean, who can lay down his life for me? The first thing, you know, even if you see one, the first thing he's going to ask is what's going to be my reward for it? But Jesus Christ gave his life. And he didn't just give it. He gave it out of love. He had a choice. But he chose love. And let's see what other things he gave us. Hebrew 6 Verse 13 to 20. He says, For example, there was God's promise to Abraham 
since there was no one greater to swear by, God took an oath in his own name, saying, I will certainly bless you, and I will multiply your descendants beyond number. Then Abraham waited patiently and received what God had promised. Now, when people take an oath, they call on someone greater than themselves to hold them to it. And without any question, that hope is binding. God also bound himself with an hope so that those who received the promise could be perfectly sure that he will never change his mind. So God has given both his promise and his hope. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the coffin into God's inner sanctuary. Jesus has already gone in there for us. He has become our eternal high priest in the order of Melchizedek. What a friend we have in Jesus Christ. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. How many of us remember it is finished? Do we all remember? It is finished. And the Bible says the curtain gave way, you know. And I was reading a comment. It says, you know what? The curtain started giving way from the top, not from down. So if it had been from down, probably someone would have said, I think someone is tampering with this thing. But God himself started it from the top. And he gave us an access. And you know what? Sometimes we think, and what about that? People have died by getting into that presence without doing the right thing. People have lost their lives. Now, Jesus Christ gave us that hope. Now we can call God our Father. Isn't that lovely? Let's look at another quality. Guarantor, wow. Oh, a guarantor is a person or organization or thing that guarantees something. So as a financial, I have a financial background anyway, so I love the word guarantor. And um, just like my first job, we were told to get some guarantors in case we misbehave so that they can go for our guarantors, you know. Now, 
the financial term for a guarantor is um, an individual who promises to pay a borrower's debt in the event that the borrower defaults on their loan obligation. Guarantors pledge their own assets as collateral, as collateral against the loans. So, where do we fit in here? We've always been defaulting. Debt is a weight, is a burden. We've always been defaulting. And Jesus Christ came and gave his blood, his life as an asset, you know, against our debt. Let's see Hebrews 7, verse 16 to 25. Jesus became a priest, not by meeting the physical requirement of belonging to the tribe of Levi, but by the power of a life that cannot be destroyed. And the psalmist pointed this out when he prophesied, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Yes, the old requirement about the priesthood was set aside because it was weak and useless. For the law never made anything perfect. But now we have confidence in a better hope through which we draw near to God. This new system was established with a solemn hope. Aaron's descendants became priests without such an oath. But there was an oath regarding Jesus. For God said to him, The Lord has taken an oath and will not break his vow. You are a priest forever. Because of this oath, Jesus is the one who guarantees the better covenant with God. There were many priests under the whole system, for death prevented them from remaining in the office. They couldn't last forever. Even though they were priests, but they couldn't last forever. Because Jesus lives forever, his priesthood lasts forever. Therefore, he is able once and for all to save those who come to God through him. He lives forever to intercede with God on their behalf. What a friend. I mean, if you, have, if you find a friend like this here on her, I can assure you he's not going to live forever. Nobody's going to live forever on this planet. But Jesus Christ, the guarantor, our guarantor, of the better covenant with God lives forever. As a matter of fact, there is a passage, there is a verse in the Bible that says, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. What a friend. It isn't, you know, isn't it wonderful for someone like this to call you a friend? I mean, we were supposed to be bowing and just our face down, you know, not to look his face, but he says, you know what? 
Let's take this to another level. You are my friend. Sit. Let's look at another quality. Faithfulness. And um, it says, firm in adherence to promises or in observance of duty. I love that side that says, observance of duty. Hebrew 10, verse 19 to 23. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him, for our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean. And our bodies have been washed with pure water. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. John 14 verse 1 to 6. Do not let your heart be troubled. Trust in the Lord. Trust in God. And trust also in me. There is more than enough room in our Father's home. If this were not so, would I not have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know the way to where I'm going. No, we don't. No, Lord, Thomas said, Brother Thomas said. We have no idea where you are going. So how can we know the way? Jesus told him. And this is affirmative. He says, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one, no one, absolutely no one come to the Father except through me. Jesus Christ, our friend. Um, <clears throat> In conclusion, it's a common saying that friendship is by choice. In life, we couldn't choose our parents, place of birth, given names, skin color, height, and so on. One of the areas where we have a choice in life is friendship. We have the ability to choose who we call friends. Jesus had a choice as well, but he chose you. He chose me as well. John 15, verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you may go, that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain that whatever you ask should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. Also, John 3, verse 16, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him 
will not perish, but have eternal life. Also, in John 10, verse 17 to 18, the Father loves me because I sacrifice my life so I may take it back again. No one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily. For I have the authority to lay it down, then down when I want to and to take it up again. For this is what my Father has commanded. Jesus Christ had a choice. No one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily. Choice is the greatest gift God gave humanity. We can see that in Joshua 24, verse 15. He says, but if you refuse to serve the Lord, then if you, re- sorry, if you receive, refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates? Or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Also in Deuteronomy 30, verse 15. Now listen, today I am giving you a choice between life and death, between prosperity and disaster. Brethren, just like how our Jesus Christ, our Lord Jesus Christ had a choice of friendship, you also have one. And fortunately for us, God couldn't have made this decision easier for us when he persuaded us to choose life. In Deuteronomy 30, verse 19, he says, I, will, I call heaven and heart as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. And I love this quote from Charles Spurgeon. He says, every Christian... Every Christian man has a choice between being humble and being humbled. It's a choice. Are we ready to receive him as a friend? Or if we already have him as a friend, to keep him as a friend, we have a choice. Let's pray. We thank you for your word. We thank you for speaking to us. We thank you for this beautiful moment. Thank you for dying for us. Thank you for resurrecting on the third day. Thank you for giving us life. Thank you for calling us friend. Thank you for this relationship. We pray the grace to remain in your presence forever and to always call you as friends and to have a deep understanding of your friendship. We pray for this grace tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.